I'd invite you to pray with me. Gracious and holy God, as we turn to your holy word this day, um, just cultivate in us expectant hearts that are ready and willing to meet you um, in, in this moment as we hear your word spoken, um, as you speak it into the particulars um, of our lives this day. God, send your Holy Spirit uh, to just make it come alive for us. Um, allow us uh, to hear in it uh, the word uh, you have for us. And then give us the courage uh, to follow after you. Um, based um, on your guidance, we hear. Uh, we ask all this in your son's name. Amen. So our scripture uh, for today comes uh, from kind of two different places. We're going to hear just the very uh, tail end of uh, the book of Judges uh, from chapters 21, uh, the last two verses, 24 and 25. Um, and then we're going to hear um, a piece of the Israelite story as it continues from 1 Samuel in chapter 8, verses 4 to 22. So let us uh, listen for um, God's word for us uh, together this day. First from Judges. So the Israelites departed from there at that time by tribes and families, and they went out from there to their own territories. In those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes. And then from 1 Samuel. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, listen to the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done to me from the day I brought them out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. Now then, listen to their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvests and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. They said, no, 
but we are determined to have a king over us so that we also may be like other nations and that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, listen to their voice and set a king over them. Samuel then said to the people of Israel, each of you return home. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we have been walking through the book of Judges together over the past six weeks. And today we come to its end. Since we left the period of the Israelites' history when Samson served as judge over the people last week, things have only gotten dramatically worse, which is saying something, for things have been devolving for weeks now. Throughout these last four chapters of the book, when idols are cast in silver, when women are treated horrifically without care for their lives, and when the tribes of Israel turn against one another in brutal civil war, The words that end the book of Judges are a consistent refrain throughout. In those days, there was no king in Israel. All the people did what was right in their own eyes. What is abundantly clear after this journey with the messy people of the time of the Judges, what is abundantly clear is we have looked out upon our own mess that which exists both within us and around us. What's abundantly clear is that people doing what is right in their own eyes is a recipe for disaster. We have seen it again and again throughout the book of Judges, and we see it again and again in our world today. When left to our own devices, we are a self-serving people. Our instincts for self-preservation and self-promotion consistently lead us very much astray. The history of the Israelite people after the period of the judges continues in the book of 1 Samuel. When Samuel serves under Eli the priest who was leading Israel at that time and ends up serving in that same role after Eli is killed. Both Eli's sons and the sons of Samuel are not faithful to God. We again see evidence of humanity's predisposition for selfishness in the ways that they lived. And so as Samuel nears the end of his life, the people come asking him for a king to be put in place before he dies so that leadership in Israel won't fall to its faithless sons. Samuel is upset by this request and prays to God about it. God instructs him to not take this request personally as a rebuke of him or his sons, but instead names clearly that it is a rejection of God. The people want a human king so that they can be like other nations. Instead of trusting the God who has sought to be their liberator, protector, and provider every step along the way. God instructs Samuel to listen to the people's request but to solemnly warn them about what they are asking for before he grants it. So Samuel returns to the people to do just that. As he speaks about what a human king will do with his power, we see the same themes we have witnessed in the book of Judges. We recognize the mess that is created when us humans are left to do what is right in our own eyes. 
and we actually have power to wield over others. As Samuel speaks of the consequences of a human king, we hear God's warning about our self-centeredness, our propensity for self-preservation and self-promotion. As you look at this piece of scripture, pay attention um, to all those italicized words. These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. God warns that the king will take again and again and again. But what he takes, many of which mirror the offerings, the 10% tithes that the people are supposed to make to God, what the king will take, he will not put in service to the people, to the nation, or to God. He takes to benefit himself and those whom he has elevated to positions of power with him, his officers and his courtiers. Even after all these warnings, the people refuse to listen and respond to Samuel, no, but we are determined to have a king over us so that we also may be like other nations and that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. God acquiesces to their will, their choices, their requests, and instructs Samuel to set a king over them. Looking again at our own mess as it shows up in the people of Israel, we see the trouble we can get ourselves in when we try to imitate those around us instead of our God. And when we are unwilling to step into the arena ourselves, when we choose instead to let someone else fight our battles for us. The rest of the history of the people of Israel as it is recorded in our Old Testament is a chronicle of how this particular choice plays out. Even the most faithful of kings falter and fail along the way, abusing their power for their own benefit at the cost of the people at some point in their reign. And there are consequences. Again and again, God allows the people to suffer the significant consequences that are the result of their choices. Yet we know that is not the end of the story. We know that despite how many times we mess it up, that in the end, our God stays true to God's character. So our God responds to all of our mess with incredible mercy. As I mentioned earlier, today is Transfiguration Sunday. It's a Sunday that comes just before the season of Lent in the rhythm of the Christian year. 
It's on this Sunday that we remember this important moment of transition in the life and ministry of Jesus. When God seeks to answer a question that has been uttered by many who have witnessed Jesus's ministry, who then is this? Jesus, unlike any leader to emerge from the people of Israel before him, does not operate from a place of self-centeredness. He is not concerned with self-preservation or self-promotion. Again and again, he risks his reputation, his good standing, his safety, his security, his very life in service to God and God's people. He does not seek accolades, but often tells people who he has helped to tell no one about what has just occurred. He is different from the very beginning, and people are puzzled. They cannot figure him out. They question and wonder aloud, who is this man? Jesus leads some of his core disciples up a high mountain, Peter, James, and John. And when they arrive, scripture tells us that he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Then Moses and Elijah, great leaders from Israelites' history, join him, and now more than ever, the disciples are wondering, who is this man? God answers those questions stirring in their hearts. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus is unlike any other because he is not simply human. He is also somehow amazingly God's own. He takes on our human existence to reveal to us how we are meant to live, to show us what in our character is broken, to provide us with an example to follow, but also so much more. This messy canvas bears all these marks of our brokenness that we have collected over these weeks. Yet as we end this journey, it also reveals the way our God chose to cut through all of our mess to reach us, to help us to see the depths of God's love for us and its power. That our God did not and does not leave us to suffer the consequences of our broken reality, but that our God enters into that brokenness and loves us just as we are and provides a way for us out of the mess calling us to return to our God and discover all that we could be. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him, God commands. Listen to him. Rather than trusting their God, the people of Israel wanted a king so that they could be like other nations, so that they could have someone who would go into battle for them. God invites us to a different way, not to imitate those around us, but instead to listen to the one he has sent to save us and imitate him. Jesus was not one who sat on the sidelines of this life. Jesus is one that stepped towards the pain, entered into the brokenness, offered himself in love for the least of these in his midst. If we are to listen to him, if we are to follow him, 
we too will not find ourselves on the sidelines. We will follow him into battle, wielding not weapons meant to harm and control, but wielding instead the power of self-sacrificing love meant to heal and make whole. So as we prepare to enter this Lenten season, may that question be on our hearts. Who is this man? May we seek to listen intently to his words, his life, and his sacrifice. May we move ourselves out of the center of our existence. May we take ourselves off of the proverbial throne. May we cast out any idols, any human rulers to whom we put our allegiance and instead center Christ in our hearts and our lives. And may we enter into the fray with him. May we wade into our mess, our mess within and our mess without. And letting Christ and Christ alone reign in our hearts and lives, may we wield self-sacrificing love so that what is wounded might be healed, so that what is broken might be made whole. Amen.